Hello, and welcome to People Keep Dying, the podcast where we talk about people who die. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Angela. And welcome back to our podcast where we talk about, where we tell you, well, we terribly tell you terrible stories. We tell um, you ter- sometimes terrible stories, sometimes um, but with our entertaining own stories. Yeah. But they're still terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh... But it's in- our Valentine's Day episode, even though we're not really covering Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day murders because no. I didn't want to. The only one that like sort of interested me was the school shooting one. And I didn't want to cover it because it's yeah. way too much of a scope for me to be covering yeah. that. Yeah. It seemed too soon for yeah. me to be talking about it. Yeah. yeah. No, completely for sure. Yeah. But it is Valentine's Day today. So I hope you guys, uh, if you're with your loved ones, if you're together, I hope you guys have a great day. If you're single, um, I hope you have a really good uh, self-care, self-love care. day. Yeah. Put on a um, face mask. AdamandEve.com has some really amazing, this is not <laughs> this sponsored. This is not an ad. We don't have any, <laughs> we don't have money for it. Yeah. But there's a lot of self-love you can do yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Okay. So. We, I am doing, well, I'm not doing a Valentine's Day murder because, well, I just didn't even look it up. I thought that that would be too, a lot of people would there do that. There was like a so, Valentine's Day massacre, but I'm yeah. like, everyone's going to do this yeah. one. I don't want to do it. It's kind of like the same thing with the Christmas special, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to do a theme, but instead I just did killer. I just did a killer couple because yeah. nothing says I love you like finding another person that will kill with you. Like... It's just, I think it's just so magical. <laughs> like it's, it's so romantic to find someone that shares the same interests with you. Or in this case, uh, just loves you so fucking much that they would just do whatever because they have absolutely no but not per- Paul percentage Bernard, of Nardo like, no. And, no. I was actually thinking about doing Paul Bernardner and Carla Homoka, but. Because um, they are a killer couple. They are a killer couple and it, it is local for me. Um but uh, because she pisses me off. Yeah, she does. But not and that anybody else doesn't piss me off. And she's also free, so that's another yeah. big thing. And it's just like everybody knows that story. I don't want to tell that story. I want to tell a different story that maybe no one's ever heard of, like this one. So we're just going to get right into it. Yes, so do it. Marlene Louise Olive was born January 15th, 1959. And was put up for an adoption as a newborn. Uh, she would later be adopted by an elderly couple named James who goes by Jim, and Naomi Olive. Marlene. I love Olive as a last name. That's really cute. Yeah, it's really cute. And it's like, uh, I don't I just lost my thought. (laughs) Like, I watched that TV show called Pushing Daisies, and then. I don't know if I ever saw that. Oh, it was a really cute show. It sounds familiar, but it's It was about the guy, um, it was about Lee Pace, who, like, if he touches you, he could bring you back to life. But if he touches you again, you die. Yeah. But then you only have like a minute to live or else someone else dies in your place. Oh, yeah. I think I watched maybe an episode so you, or like the beginning. So of you own a pie shop. So he would like buy like already dead like strawberries and stuff, bring them back to life that one time. And then you get like the best Oh my pies. gosh. That sounds... And then you kept like roses and flowers nearby. So <gasps> they would die instead. Of, uh, uh, yeah. That's so smart. I want, can he, can he, I, I, 
like was he able to attach the death onto something specific or was no, it just it random? Was random that was the problem Ooh. yeah but then like, like he brought his dog back proximity. to life so he couldn't touch his dog so he had like a little stick that he rubbed it was so cute oh my and he god his, no he brought his childhood love back and he couldn't touch her again but it was the most they used to like kiss through saran wrap and it was probably the it was the cutest show i'd ever seen and then when it got canceled i was so sad about oh, it that sounds so sad yeah okay anyways go on. <laughs> sorry so uh marlene spent most of her childhood and early teens living in uh Guaya- guayaquil ecuador okay where her father worked as a marketing executive for tunico and golf oil um marlene was real close to jim mm-hmm. uh, but reportedly had a troubled relationship with her step uh her mother naomi uh because supposedly naomi suffered from alcoholism and some mental illness which the two kind of go hand in hand most of the time and yeah uh at age 14 marlene moved back to the u.s uh after her father lost his job and the family settled down in marin county california jim became a self-employed small business consultant and seemed to be doing pretty well for himself Mm -hmm. Uh, marlene on the other hand uh wasn't transitioning to the american life as easily uh growing up in ecuador it was uh, extremely sheltered she obviously wasn't exposed to a lot uh comparatively to california um which like drugs and alcohol and there is so much like freedom where you could do whatever the fuck that you wanted um all the hippies yeah well it's in yeah it actually was during the hippie time so yeah 70s right yeah 60s um well she was born at 1959 and it's like 15 years later so 1970s yeah so 1965 it's like the end of the love but still a lot of freedom and a lot of like glam and stuff yeah um so after having uh some minor health issues uh she began using her prescription drugs uh recreationally as well as some other drugs in order to socialize with the other kids uh who were very different than her friends and the friends that she had back in ecuador obviously marley is already getting interested in glam rock witchcraft and sex work uh the relationship between Marlene and Naomi got a lot worse as well. Uh, Marlene stated that Naomi had repeatedly called her a whore and other names, and their argue, their arguments would quickly turn violent. Jeez. Uh, Marlene also said that the reason why she got into sex work was because her mother always called her a whore. Um, overall, or sorry, over time, Marlene started to develop uh, resentment towards Jim uh, because he was always siding with uh, the mom in the disputes because that's his wife, so he yeah. kind of has to, and you were probably being a fucking unruly 15-year-old child. Because most of the children are. Yeah. Um, and she also suspected him of calling the police on her and her friends for their drug use often. Uh, Marlene, and Which then is what most parents would probably do actually. So yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good on him. Like, yeah. sorry that your parents seemed like they were being good parents, other than maybe Naomi, because if she was calling you a whore and all that's this not stuff, right. like that's not that's no. not good parenting. But uh, calling a cop on you because you're doing drugs, yeah, I can like, see that. That's what yeah, your parent, your parent, your elderly parents were worried about you yeah. and the lifestyle that you were, you know, going down. They were probably sitting there like, did we make a mistake moving to America? And the answer was yes. You should have stayed in Ecuador. Mm. Okay. So Marlene starts going downhill. 
real quick. She becomes, she starts shoplifting. She's stealing her parents' money and credit cards. She would use and abuse drugs and alcohol, often overdosing. Uh, she would run away from home. She started dating some not so great dudes who were usually criminals. Uh, the guys were doing other crimes like burglary, breaking and entering and assault. She would tag along for these crimes because she was like all into it. Uh, Marlene would often talk to her friends about wanting to kill her parents and even asked a few of them to help her, but most didn't really believe her or take her seriously or did they just decided not to get involved, but they never went to the authorities and it's just like, oh my fucking God. I do feel like it's, it's just talk though. And like when you're 16, that's what you, you say. Yeah, but she shit. was doing it all of the time, oh. like all of the time trying to plan killing her parents. You don't want to snitch. Snitches get yep. stitches. And at one point, Marlene even try, attempted to kill Naomi uh, by mixing a large doses of prescription drugs into her food, but they made the food taste bad and Naomi would refuse to eat it. And it's just like, good for you, Naomi. Yeah. Good for you. Don't eat food that tastes weird. No. People, they, people listening to this podcast, if your food tastes a little off, don't fucking keep just eating it. Just spit it out, yeah. throw it away, make yep. it again yourself. Make your own food. Yeah. <laughs> but then I guess like that is also possible. Like the condiments could be. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah there, there's thing. so much. Yeah. Like. Nowadays, there's like tasteless poisons. So. Oh my god! Yeah, we've don't eat anything. Yeah, don't eat anything. <laughs> Die Good from diet. starvation. <laughs> uh, in 1974, at the age of 15, Marlene met and started dating Chuck Riley, a 19-year-old high school dropout who worked as a newspaper and delivery man, pizza delivery man. Sorry, and he was also a bartender and a factory worker. So he worked a lot of like low-end jobs. Yeah. Um, he was a very large, obese man. Uh, had been obese his whole obese his whole life. Never had a girlfriend before, but after meeting Marlene, he developed a huge crush on her and began to pursue her heavily, offering her free drugs, gifts, and listening to her complain about her parents. Uh, at that's first, all she ever wanted. That's all she ever wanted. Marlene was at first put off by his weight, uh, but probably got over that real quick once he started giving her all of the things. Yeah. Um, and the two begins having a sexual relationship that was heavily controlled by Marlene, Whoa. which I just, when I was originally reading this story, I was like this poor fucking boy. Yeah. Like he was probably, he probably had like no self-worth and he no probably less, yeah, such low self-esteem, so much self-esteem issues, uh, from being overweight and stuff like that. Probably and, made fun of his entire life. Yep, and he probably was like, here's a girl. I love her so much. And she loves me. Yeah. And like how to give her all this stuff. She like, will sleep with me. Yeah. And that's really, yeah. that's a big deal. Yep. Um, she would ask him to do things. And if he said no, she would threaten to break up with him. Uh, and apparently claimed to have magical powers over magical powers to have control over him which he apparently believed like she believed that she was a witch and that she was controlling him and that if he didn't do anything then she would like ruin his life and break up with him and well, she has that again. pussy power yeah so that's I, I actually wrote, wrote that down yeah <laughs> that's called a pussy like that's all it was it's like, the pussy power it's a 19 year old boy that's having sex for the first time yeah. he's like he's all fucking doped up on the are yeah completely controlling his brain at that point like that's it she's a witch she's a witch no yeah. you just like getting your dick wet mm -hmm. like that's that's all it is. Oh, my God. Okay. Either way. Uh, he began doing anything he could in order to please her to keep the relationship going. Uh, and it wasn't long before Marlene starts ask, ask, asking him. Oh, my God. Stephanie, get your words together. It's okay. It's okay. Marlene starts asking him for help and advice on how to kill her mother. And even suggested that he kill her, his, her parents for no, her. Oh, Chuck. 
And so in March of 1975, the couple was arrested for going on a prolonged shoplifting spree, stealing over $6,000 in merchandise and it's the 70s, guys. That's a lot of fucking stuff. Yeah, like nowadays like, it's a so lot, much. but this is... It's a lot to... Like, big. when you hear like, oh, they stole $6,000 of stuff, you probably think they're stealing like a lot of high-end electronics. Yeah. This was like hair accessories. Oh my gosh. Uh, clothing, uh, like low-end jewelry. So like much just stuff. they But they were on a fucking high. They were just like, we're just going to steal all this shit. They were probably on so much drugs. Um, And so they were arrested and they were charged with... Uh, theft uh, a few months later chuck was arrested again for possession of marijuana and a sawed off shotgun and at this point jim and naomi uh who had previously been super supportive of the relationship threatened their daughter to end the relationship or she would be sent to a juvie school they even got a court order against chuck not to come to the house anymore uh with jim apparently threatening that he would kill chuck if he ever returned to the house poor chuck yeah too i mean like like he's not a good guy he's at not this a good point, guy he is but he's like providing her all drugs he's yeah. not a good guy but at the same time it's like it sounds like she has way yeah. more control over him yeah and yeah. Uh, she was definitely on a path that was going downhill uh, before that and yeah. they're probably looking at like oh chuck's a bad influence no your fucking daughter, daughter is, is the a bad problem. influence mm-hmm. Uh, so on Saturday, June 21st, 1975, Marlene and Naomi get into another explosive fight. And afterwards, Marlene calls Chuck and tells him, get your gun. We've got to kill this bitch today. Then she goes downstairs and asks her father to take her outside for something. Let's just say it's ice cream. Uh, leaving her mom alone so that Chuck could come and kill her. And she even like left the door unlocked and everything. Um, so Chuck goes and takes some LSD to, you know, pump himself up. And I don't really know why he decided to do this, but whatever. He then goes to the house and enters the house with a 22 caliber revolver. Chuck then tells, or Chuck told the police that after entering the house, he struck Naomi many times with a hammer, stabbed her and suffocated her. And unfortunately for everyone involved, Jim and Marlene came back too early and Jim caught Chuck near his dead wife, covered in blood. So Jim picked up a knife that was nearby and ran towards Chuck, exclaiming, I'll fucking kill you. And that's when Chuck drew his gun and shot Jim four times, killing him. Marlene and Chuck then tried to dispose of the bodies by transporting them to a wooded area in the nearby China camp and burning them in a barbecue pit with gasoline and logs in order to attempt to make them unrecognizable. And then they left. Then they just left the bodies while it was still burning. So obviously some witnesses had like seen that and they were just like, Oh, Hey, there's like a fire in this wooded area. And they called the fire and the fireman arrives and he just thinks that it's like a dead deer carcass. And someone was trying to like burn a burn deer. It. Yeah. So he like puts the fire out and leaves it and leaves. I mean, usually you don't think you see a dead yeah, but body. I, I would think like, well, they probably like, charred it up enough where it yeah. wasn't recognizable or but i like, wonder how common it is that people like burn yeah. deers and stuff that that got that's what the guy yeah. thought i yeah. mean but he left it there and i was like why would you not like dispose of the carcass like you're just gonna i mean because bugs in the earth needs it's not your stuff. problem yeah. <laughs> yeah um you put out a fire that's good enough uh, the couple later returned to the park uh and further burned the remains along with uh additional evidence so they just like burned it a little bit more Having called on a friend, uh, Marlene and Chuck go back to the house to clean up, removing the blood from the carpet, walls, and furniture. And they confide in the friend who helped clean and in other, and several other friends as they were 
boasting about it, that they had killed her parents, specifically informing them that Chuck physically carried out the killings. Uh, and then Chuck told them we had to do it. They wouldn't let me see her. And I look at that as she was controlling that in being like... She controls the situation for sure. Oh, she it's most definitely It's definitely one does. of those things where you hear... You, this is very rare, I feel. Like, usually males control yeah. the females. And no, these she kinds, was like... She, was, she controlled him. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, no, we got to get our story straight. You did this. And she you was were smart me. enough yeah. to put me. all of it on yeah. him. Chuck physically was the mm-hmm. one that did it. And I was. was out with my dad. Yeah. Like, and then he came home and he had killed my mom and then he shot my dad. And whatever. People probably would have believed you if you weren't such a crazy bitch that did all this other stuff. Okay, so... Marlene and Chuck then continued to live together at the house for several days, attending a concert, shopping, eating at restaurants, and paying their expenses using cash checks and credit cards taken from her dead parents. They allegedly planned to wait for Jim and Naomi to be declared dead, collect their life insurance money, and then move to Ecuador. But it was just like, how did you plan on them being declared dead, Marlene? Yeah. You clearly weren't thinking this out. Uh, A few days later... Jim's uh, business partner became concerned over his absence at work because that's what happens. And then he contacts the police who visits the house and they speak to Marlene. And she provides these various alibis for herself and Riley, which the police later determined were false. Mm -hmm. And stories about how her parents had uh, either disappeared or had died. She, at a different time, she claimed that one parent had killed the other and then disappeared with the body or that both parents were killed by the Hells Angels. Like she was just telling fucking stories. All the drugs. Yeah. Marlene then informed her friend uh, that the police had come by looking for her parents, but that she had convinced them that they were gone and that the police were no longer a parent or a problem. But uh, spoiler alert, the police were not convinced. And neither was the friend. <clears throat> so the friend who had helped clean up the apartment and had witnessed everything, well, not the murders or anything, but the one that they had called in to help clean the apartment, she go- then goes to the police and tells them about the blood in the room and the couple statements about killing the parents and the burning bodies of the camp. And so the police go and they search the barbecue pit and they determine that the bone fragments, uh, that the fragments in the fire were human remains and not the deer carcass. And so they go and uh, arrest Marlene and Chuck. Quickly after his arrest, Chuck makes a full detailed confession, confession in which he said that he and Marlene had been planning to kill her parents for some time, that he had beaten, stabbed, and suffocated Naomi and then shot Jim and that Marlene had made him do it. However, Marlene claimed that Chuck killed her parents on his own accord and then afterwards held her hostage and forced her to take drugs and raped her. And you know what? Her her story sounds more believable and they probably believed her immediately. Uh, no? no, because they already had the testimony from the friends. Okay, that's true. Right? Yeah. So they were probably just like, no, if it you're was a just that he said, she said, though, then she would have probably. And then the friend, like, it. yeah, because the friend was probably like, oh, yeah. And she had been talking about wanting to murder her parents forever. Far beyond she even met this Chuck dude. Mm-hmm. Like, for years, she's been talking about this. Um, so because of his confection, confe- what is with me? <laughs> confection. Well, he's not a baker. Confectionaries. Okay. So because of his confession, Chuck, who was 20 at the time, was charged with two counts of first degree murder and faced the death penalty. Under hypnosis during the trial, which is like, why is he under hypnosis? I don't understand must that it was a crazy serum basically maybe it is you know it is the 70s uh riley would recant his confession that um 
that uh, and state that when he entered the house, he found Naomi bleeding from a head wound with a hammer already embedded in her head. Then he implied that Marlene had beaten her mother with the hammer before leaving with her dad. And then in a way to end Naomi's suffering, he stabbed and suffocated her to, you know, help her along because oh, she was sure. she, she was, was suffering, suffering so much there's just like well then why the fuck did you stab her if, if she already had the hammer in the head and you just wanted to, to get it over with get faster. it over like yeah but he like stabbed her a lot and only just um, make sure yeah he then uh compl- claimed that he confessed to killing naomi in order to protect marlene by taking the blame he also admitted to shooting jim but that it was out of self-defense and fear as jim was running at him and threatened to kill him which yeah. yeah okay uh but the jury didn't believe him uh and they convicted him on both counts of first degree murder and he was sentenced to death on january 26 1976 however in december of that year california uh state supreme court changed their laws regarding the death sentence and so he was commuted to be charged with two concurrent life sentences with the possibility of parole after seven years while in jail riley lost a ton of weight received his high school diploma and earned a college degree and was all around a pretty decent inmate. He was probably not in a trajectory to become a shitty person. No. It's just that he, he fell in love with the wrong yeah. person. He probably could have like done a lot more with his life if he yeah. had just met somebody else. Someone else. Yeah. And um so he was like he was doing pretty well in the inmate. However, he was constantly denied uh for his parole until 2011 when he was originally granted parole. Um, but that got overturned by the governor or Californian governor, Jerry Brown, who said, although Chuck professes to accept some responsibility, he continues to downplay his role in the crime. And until Mr. Riley is able to come to terms with his role in this horrendous double murder, I do not believe that he will be able to avoid violent behavior if released. Chuck then tries to reverse like that by saying like that he's a 56 year old man. Now he's got like these physical disabilities and he wouldn't be a danger to anybody. And uh, for like the next five years, they're basically fighting over like this appeal yeah um and in january 2016 the court of appeals believe him they reversed the governor's decision and he was deemed suitable for release and was granted parole marlene on the other hand because she was considered a minor at 16 uh was tried as a juvenile rather than an adult and she was only charged with violating section 602 of the california state welfare and institutions code which at the time covered any crime committed by a juvenile from petty crimes all the way up to murder Jeez. there's just like a little blanket that anybody can have mm-hmm. um and uh the judge stated that she encouraged, instigated aid and acted as an accomplice in the homicides of her parents. And the judge would later state that the uncontroverted evidence regarding the father is that Chuck Riley killed him. Uh, But as to who did in the mother, we'll never know because it is possible that maybe she did kill her mom. Yeah. Um, And then he he covered it up. You know what I mean? Like it's possible. Uh, Marlene was sentenced to a term of four to six years confinement in the California Youth Authority at Ventura and was later allowed to serve part of her term living outside of the school with a young woman who has been a juvenile services volunteer. However, a few weeks before Marlene was due to be paroled, she escaped and fled to New York City where she began working as a sex worker. And it's just like, Marlene, why don't you just wait? You just had a couple weeks, girl. Yeah, just wait. You could have... 
What was she that? Couldn't you couldn't have it. just wait. The, you were already in there for like four to six years. Yeah, like what just, is a couple of weeks at this point? Very um, self-destructive. That's yeah. For sure. So she obviously gets rearrested and then they send her back to California to finish her sentence. And then she's finally released in 1980 uh, at the age of 21. Um, and then after being released, she moved to Los Angeles area where she changed her name a whole bunch of times and was arrested for at least seven different times over the next de- decade for forgery and drug related charges, serving two one year terms in jail. Uh, in 1986, she was one of 14 people arrested in Los Angeles for allegedly operating a large counterfeiting and forgery ring of, of which she was thought to be the ringleader, which totally fucking believe that she probably was. Yeah. Uh, she was, she had, a, she had a lot of leadership skills. Yeah, let's she really, did. Let's for sure say that. Uh, she was subsequently convicted and sentenced to five years in prison in 1992. The Los Angeles times article calls her the queen of the trashers due to her alleged skills at committing forgery and fraud and creating false identities based on documents such as voided checks obtained from discarded garbage police said that they had rarely come across a street level forger believed to be as prolific or as skilled as marlene olive Uh, she served an additional prison terms in california after a 1992 conviction for making a false financial statement and in 1995 a conviction for possessing a forged driver license it's just a bunch of fucking forgeries that's all she's, she's doing there's someone's gonna make a movie about yeah. her so. uh no there there are there are oh, okay. i don't i don't i didn't write down what they were oh, okay um and she eventually is sentenced to seven years in prison but she gets out of that too and it's just like this fucking girl was in and out of prison for her whole life and then chuck is like stuck in there and they're just like well we can't let her out because you know she might still violent have violent tendencies and it's like this fucking bitch was the problem like She's the one that's... Fu- oh, my gosh. I can't. So uh, Marlene only saw Chuck once after they were arrested. She visited him once in prison in 1981. After the visit, Riley uh, said that uh, I'll never see her again. And she never went back to visit him. I wonder if it was because she was basically there to make sure that he wasn't going to... Yeah, it was probably yeah. just like, hey, thanks for taking the fall for me. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out. Peace out. So, yeah, that was my... I mean, it wasn't the best killer couple, but there, I was just it like... It was a good killer couple. I yeah. did... I do remember some of it, but mm-hmm. I think I, I'd, I'd read it when I was like, yeah, looking that's for my, that's my stories. Story. But that's really good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Mine has nothing to do with love. <laughs> it's not even a murder. It's just a death. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> God, I hope they die spectacularly. No, so... This is, um, I talked about this with you beforehand and told Ooh. you I was going to cover it. Ooh. So this is about the K-pop group. Oh, yes. Ladies Code. And it's very recent. Well, it's recent enough that, yeah, it's 2014. So it's pretty recent. It's one of the last 20 years. So let's do like a quick like description of K-pop culture. In okay. Case, like you watched the explain. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gives you like a really it's quick rundown. very big in korea it's very big so unlike most westernized musical groups k-pop artists and groups typically go through a very rigorous training system oh yeah they're start, they start training you at like age at three 12 years old they probably are prepping you before they, that <laughs> they they usually pick you out they'll, yeah. they'll like see you in the markets they'll pick you out and then you, they perfectly groom you for the role and it takes about it takes up to 10 years for an agency to groom a trainee before they debut. That's and the training crazy. is like dancing, um, singing lessons, um, English speaking, crazy. Korean speaking, Chinese and Japanese because you need to go international. And they basically 
force you into a slave contract you are as a, well. You're curated. Yeah. It's like, often known as a slave contract. And if you look it up on Wikipedia, that's what it comes up. Mm-hmm. And the trainees will live in dormitories with other trainees. And every aspect of their lives is controlled by management companies. Wow. From their diet, love lives, to the behavior and personalities, idols are molded to individually fit the roles that need to be filled in whatever group they end up fitting into. So if you're yeah. tar- if you're tagged as the baby one, you had to always, no matter where you are, always That's act as the, like the baby role forever. That's your character. That's it. That's your character forever. You're the leader. That's your character That's forever. So like, I wonder, cause I know that they do it for men and women, but yes. I wonder if the women are like done, are treated worse no the same men really? are yeah it's it's one of those things where from what i read they are treated equally badly okay equally okay. yeah because at when they're 12 they're both treated like garbage yeah but it's just like treating a 12 year old girl like garbage in my like in my sexist opinion <laughs> is like different than treating a 12 year old boy it like doesn't garbage, sound like, like abusive yet. Yeah. Um, but it, I just mean there like, is that aspect of it. We'll I'll talk about it in another story. Yeah. But for this specific thing, it's just the training is really rigorous. Guys' diets are also very rigorous because guys also cannot get fat. Yeah. And they need to have that perfect yeah. physique. The ch- the and chiseled. They, and they also have to get all the same kind of plastic surgery done. So oh, they all get the plastic surgery done. You're forced wow, into it because you can't look, you have to look a certain way. And it's, and, and it's sort of like why, so that you can pay for like, so that you can send money so back be to a model. your no, parents so you or anything can, no, like that. To be an idol. To be an idol is like to be an A, a celebrity, like an A plus celebrity. And it's kind of the only how many way to people, do it. How many people would you say that they have going at like one time though? Because a like you lot. can't have like. Do they have like 5,000 idols at yeah. one single time? That's insane. It's, they have so, that I know about 5,000, but there's a lot yeah. of entertainment groups that have their own idol training. There's like the big three, and then there's other idol groups, and they all train. It's like BTK, hoping. right? Is that what it's? No. BTS. BTS. BTK is the. Yeah, that's, that's my own thing. <laughs> BTS is the largest one right yeah. now. And if you want to never Aren't they like 14 like 14 people I think in a there's band? Like 10 of them i don't actually know yeah. but if you ever want to never be able to use internet again you can talk trash about them because rabbit those the fangirls oh, yeah. for these k-pop groups are fangirls nothing. used to be insane like i used to think that they were insane for the backstreet boys back in no, the 90s korean people and are so way worse I've heard about girls who send used menstrual pads That's to other so fan gross. groups. They throw That's like so eggs. Gross. They'll throw tampons at their vans. No. They will chase them down to get into accidents. They'll tell them they should go kill themselves over and over again, which oh some gosh. of them do. So oh it's gosh. real bad. You can, they can't also can't date. Like if you're in an idol group, you can't date anyone because yeah. you're caught dating someone you're without the contract anymore like there's like a morality there's like all these stem clauses but anyways after their training most contracts require idols to pay back their management teams for the training housing wardrobe and living costs so basically they're in debt yeah. for a really long time yeah. afterwards because it's not like you debut and then you're big most of the time you're pretty small and you're racking up like a million dollars in debt yeah Wow. So even like BTS for a long time lived in those. Yeah. So servitude. 
it's because of that that idols, especially the newer ones, will have none of their own money. Like all their money is from the management companies. The big three companies, SM Entertainment, YG Entertainment, and JYP Entertainment, don't require any debts to be paid as long as they stay the whole term of their contracts. How, how many years are the contracts? Until though? 2009, the contracts could be 13 years. Wow. These were not, these were no no joke contracts. Yeah. So after 2009, the the contracts could only last seven years, which is still a long fucking time to yeah. basically have your entire life controlled by someone else. Yes. So seven years a slave. Ladies Code is a K-pop girl group that was formed by Polaris Entertainment in 2013. Ooh, and Polaris is not a large recording company or anything. They're actually a subsidiary of Equan Group who is a large conglomerate whose their main business is arms trade. But like a lot of conglomerates, you, yeah, you, know, you branch you put, out. Into yeah. You do a lot of different you things. You meld in other things. So you can always work. have so much yeah. money. You never know where the money's going to come from. Expanding your portfolio. So diversifying ma- your pi- portfolio. Many rather. of the girls have a background in the entertainment industry before their debut. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that like most people talk about, um, her name is Lise. But because it's spelled R-I-S-E, everyone will say her name is Rise, but it is Lise. And I'm going to say her name a lot because she does, unfortunately, not make it out of the story. Okay. She participated in Miss Korea 2009, and she's actually originally from Japan. She's, like, from a Korean family. Like a fourth, she's a fourth-generation Korean family in Japan. Okay. But then she went to become a K-pop idol. Yoonbi was a trainee under FNC Entertainment and was meant to debut with a different K-pop group called AOA, who is a large K-pop group. But then yeah. she left because she thought that she needed more training. Because sometimes it's really bad. It's actually worse to come out not fully trained because then you'll already, like everyone will make fun of you immediately. You have yeah. to be perfect. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing. Because the other girls in the group are. Yeah. And if you're the one who sticks out as a non-perfect one, they fucking attack you. It's it's crazy crazy so um sojong was a finalist on the voice of korea ashley a former a former cube entertainment trainee and zuni a former big hit entertainment trainee so their debut single bad girl did pretty well in march of 2013 and they were already taking talking about their comeback second mini album in september 2013 because in like k-pop you have to be constantly putting things out yeah so there's so many of them so they're already like doing like oh we're gonna go comeback album i'm like it's only been like six months how is that a comeback but they gotta come back from something i remember when i was younger like um that's when like the big like the beginning of like k-pop group started because there was a big one called hot back in the day and um hot I know it was called High Five of Teenagers. That was their yeah. But those the people who love that group are still rapidly crazy now, and they disbanded over a decade ago. That's crazy. Yeah, I've never loved anything that much. <laughs> well, you know. So since there was there are so many K-pop groups out there to stay relevant for the smaller groups, it's important that they stay as relevant as possible. So they're constantly yep. going out and doing different things. They're working like sometimes 16 hour days like training and doing a different show and whatever like everything possible yeah they have to yeah because there's so much competition Mm -hmm. and so if you have like one day off like that could ruin your whole fucking career or yeah that one day could have been your big break yeah so by september 1st 2014 ashley had revealed that they were working on a new album although it's unknown if it would be full album or mini album or what was going on okay 
but on September 3rd, 2014, at 1.30 a.m., the group was on their way back from, to Seoul after a KBS open concert at Daegu Gyeongbok Institute. And unfortunately, because uh, it was monsoon season during this time, uh-huh. on the slippery road conditions, the group's manager, Mr. Park, was driving the van at 137 kilometers an hour. That's extremely In a 100-kilometer-hour zone. That's extremely for fast. For a distance of at least 30 kilometers. Jesus Christ. And it's like, the thing is, like, at that speed, that I go about that fast in the States sometimes. Yeah, but, like, I mean... But it's raining. I, I would, I drive, like, 130 on the on the highway, yeah. but not when it's raining. Yeah, that's the thing. It was raining. That was, like, the big... And it's, like, monsoon, so it's not just, like, A little raining. bit of rain. It's, it's, it's raining. raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, tra- local traffic laws state that speed should be lowered 20% during these kinds of conditions. Yeah. And it's because of these conditions that Park suddenly lost control of the vehicle, calling causing the car to hydroplane. The van skids several times before crashing into a protective wall in the vicinity of Chingal Junction of Yongdong Expressway. Oh, no. And obviously, some people don't survive this because. Oh, gosh. I was going to say, like. Dying. <laughs> I was going to be like, did they did they all die? No. Was it instant? I really. Did it, they. Th- unfortunately, uh... yeah. It wasn't anything great. <sighs> Park said that the back wheel of the van fell off in the accident. But um, after they've done some experiments and stuff, it appears as though the wheel fell off as a result of the car crash. In fact, before investigations were done, um, Polaris Entertainment was blaming the incident, saying that the rear rear wheel fell off because they don't want to blame it on the manager. Yeah. And some media at the time revealed that the van was trying to avoid collision with other cars before the fatal accident. But it was nothing was, was like just confirmed. like why was he driving that fast to begin with? Because it's one thirty like, in the morning. I think he was just tired. He just yeah. wanted to go home. Yeah. And I get that too because that's, that's how I got my first speeding ticket. Yeah. So Jesus. one netizen wrote, "My friend told me that he had seen the car shake. The driver swerved to avoid a collision. When the car turned, the car hit the wall and rolled over three times. But I mean, whenever people say things like that online, it's hard to know if it's like truth or yeah. yeah. But it could also be truth. Yeah. Um, none of the airbags opened, well, although that- it's unknown if it would have helped or not. Because I mean, if it hit the, the thing seat, and then it flipped three times, you I think mean, the airbags would have opened? But I'm not sure if the airbags would have helped because airbags are usually only in the front, right? Or already also in the sides. Uh, sometimes they're on the sides. It depends yeah. on the vehicle. And it's also uncovered that the van driven during the accident was rented as there was they were experiencing problems with the management's vehicle earlier. So this was the first time that they had driven this van okay. as well. And a firefighter on the scene said that at the time of the arrival, four people were outside of the van standing around, Ashley, Zuni, Park, and a stylist. And inside the car, there were three females, Yunbi, Rizhe, and Hojong, all unconscious. There was and it's some... upside down? The van's upside down? No, it was right side okay, up. Okay. And sorry. because, um, did you know that the press are actually pieces of shit so no matter what country you go oh to? Oh my God, yeah. There's tons of pictures of that van. It's oh. Man. There was some speculation that the girls were not wearing their seatbelts. Probably as not. Some sources said that they didn't remember removing seatbelts to get the girls out of the car, but nothing was confirmed or concrete on that. Yeah. Um, Yunbi was... They probably pronounced. would have had to have cut them out, so yeah. they would remember that. But 
even if that if they were, it's it they may not pro- have they made weren't, a difference. They weren't wearing their seatbelts, and I mean, no one died because. They got like launched out of the vehicle. Yeah, so that's so. why it's like they could have been wearing their seatbelts, and that's why they didn't get launched out. Maybe um, Yunbi was pronounced DOA, while the remaining six passengers were rushed to various hospitals, depending on the severity of their yeah. condition. Rise and Sojong were taken to the Catholic University of Korea Saint Vincent Hospital. So long of a name, in <laughs> Seoul, and they were both in critical condition. So Jung suffered a fractured jaw and arm, and her good condition stabilized. But Rise was not that lucky because she sustained a severe head injury yeah. and endured nine hours of emergency brain surgery. Yeah. As Rise's condition deteriorated, she was moved to Ajo University Hospital, where she died four days later on September 7th. Oh, no. Ashley Zuni Park and one stylist sustained minor injuries. So, like the manager and then the three girl, like the two girls and the stylist sustained minor injuries, but one of the girls who were in critical condition, Ho Jung, does survive. Okay, well, that's, I mean, at least there were a couple survivors. Yeah. Ooh, sucks to be that manager, though. Yeah. Obviously, he's taken to court for this. Uh, obviously. Yeah. The accident as a whole highlighted a major problem within the entertainment sector of Korea. Why? Um, local media questioned whether the round-the-clock schedule of idol groups should be changed. I mean, Maybe that's the reason why he was so tired, too. Maybe he was tired and he was driving home so quickly because they had such packed schedules. Because they had, they had another act the very next day in Seoul, so yeah. they had to go back early. But and, I mean... Yeah. With yeah. new acts constantly popping up, performers that achieve some fame are often under pressure to work more hours to maximize exposure and revenue at the expense of sleep. Yeah. And that's why it was just like... You know, it was one of those things like, are you overworking them so much that you're killing them? And apparently there had been a lot of cases where fans will chase after the vans or anti-fans will chase their van as well. And they'll get into accidents as well. Yeah, It's really, it's it's a different world. These these, these fangirls from Korea yeah. are totally more crazed, I feel. Like, more, I yeah. remember one, when I was growing up, I remember reading one article where, like, the fans had, uh, like, chased after and was, like, pushing on the Backstreet yes. Boys or the NSYNC bus or whatever, and they were shaking the bus. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, and then a girl got fucking trampled. Yeah. And I just remember thinking... This is crazy. Like, how are people so obsessed about this? Like, why are there so many? Like, I've never understood it, but I bet you the moms of these fucking girls were probably doing the same shit at the the Beatles. Beatles. Yeah. And it's like, I just, I don't. And then these people are do, and their kids are doing it to Justin Bieber now. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I don't understand it. I feel like. It's I I like I made a speculation myself. I didn't read it anywhere else or anything, but I was like maybe because Korea makes put so much focus on your studies, you need an outlet, and this is their outlet. It's yeah, I don't know. Like I just I don't understand that. Like I can't understand the mentality over over it like i like to me it's like you're putting so many people in danger and for what so that you can have a little glimpse well k-pop groups their entire image is to make it seem like they're your boyfriend 
That's what they do. That's why oh, they don't that's date. So that's so dangerous. That's why K-pop idols are not allowed to have a love life because you're selling you They're this selling, idea yeah, the that, fantasy. that you're yeah that you're you're attainable that they oh they are your boyfriends that they is are everything so to dangerous that is it, so dangerous it totally works that's how stalkers happen yeah that's how crazy murders happen oh my gosh and and they're it, doing it at such a young age too like and, and it works <sighs> i mean like some of them do debut when they're like 20 but even then you've been know, sheltered for so long like, you're, it's the it's 12 year the old girls that they're pitching this to yeah it's that that i'm just they're, like pitching this idea of like you'll be idolized because it's not People real love you and they do love you eventually maybe yeah but those girls like the the fans like yeah that's so dangerous mm-hmm. it's the fan like it's the mentality with the fans that i like that they're that they're they that these people are breeding that yeah that's what they're breeding and it's like to me like that's incredibly dangerous and it's like a multi-million multi-billion dollar industry you're not they're not gonna stop it it makes so much no because fucking money and who cares like who cares how like well you know what they'll just grow up out of it and it's just like no they don't money's always more important than people Uh, always it should be in every fucking episode (laughs) it is money's always more important than people (laughs) yeah so ashley zuni and sojong returned to their group dorm in seoul on november 12th which is kind of crazy because it's like two months later yeah with sojong continuing to receive outpatient treatment in fact all of them still start like started receiving counseling because oh you fucking you lost have to two of, like you're very very close friends who you spent all your time with and yeah, yeah. and they probably have survivor's guilt mm-hmm. uh they probably saw some shit in that van like they probably saw their friends die like and unfortunately with this kind of stuff is that when you die um you become really popular yeah so after because you- the media and the mar- the management team and the they're, they're gonna milk it mm-hmm. because they can get a lot more well i shouldn't say they can get a lot more money out of you with your death but maybe they they do they'll still try to get their dollars so after yunbi and jay's so death the girl the group achieved major success as a fan as fans of the group began posting on online communities and encouraging people to listen to their song i'm fine thank you as a tribute to yunbi's dream of ranking first on the music charts and so they yeah so they did the song that song as well as kiss kiss went on to the tops like several charts so there were the surviving people made their own little they kept their own group did they didn't like split them up no oh did they add more people into that group? no okay not not as of like not as of this year at least but yeah yeah. so those two songs became really popular but this was during a time when they were still still recovering this was still like right after yeah but i mean that's the best time to like get a hit out there everyone's talking about you Mm -hmm. so the hashtags r.i.p yunbi and r.i.p um trended on twitter after the accident as (sighs) it always does right yunbi's um funeral was held on september 5th and since the media is the fucking worst they took a ton of photos and videos of Ashley and Zuni and their neck braces crying. No, let them have nope. the funerals. And no, nope. wow, they don't even get that. They got nothing. They literally like they loved it. They oh my god, it's, tons of things like, of like these girls who just got out of a terrible car accident who could barely the walk. Families. And they like, had all these like camera crew people just videotaping. It's so real. Look at this. I like, know. Look like, how sad oh they look. My god, oh. just. Mm. 
So no. Yunbi's mom said to Ashley and Zuni, don't ever give up. You guys have to continue on for Yunbi. Ashley, since your mom is not here, because I think she's from the States, I'll be your Korean mother. It was one of those things where it's just like she lost her daughter, but she also knew that her daughter's dream was this group. So she wanted to make sure that the group still continued because then her daughter will still get remembered. You don't want your daughter to be completely forgotten. And if you don't want to feel like her life was yeah. wasted, I guess. Yeah. Like she died for no reason. At least there's At least you guys can like her. be a little bit like you guys can keep being successful. So and I people remember her. Yeah. Get the paycheck. They don't, they don't get paid. No. No. The parents? No one gets paid for that. They I don't would've... get paid for a long time. Like they. I would have thought that. They, I mean, they, she still owes money for, you yeah. know. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, oh my is, god you think that they would have just like wiped the slate clean after the death but money no. <laughs> i don't think so oh my it, it god say it online but i'm assuming that she doesn't get much well I think she, I she think does she from should. she does from the management like the manager but yeah that's different yeah that's that's a lawsuit <laughs> so during her final goodbye yunbi's mom said i'm sorry mom couldn't do better for you i'm so sorry Oh my god, no. This was especially hard since on September 2nd, Yunbi said in an interview, I want to spend the day eating chuseok food, which is like Thanksgiving food, because that's when Thanksgiving was, Yeah. Um, with my family at home for the first time in a long time. The little things in life are the happiest. And she had said that the day before she died. So, like, it was just, I think it was just like the fact that, like, she was already talking about the fact she hasn't seen her parents in a long time and yeah she wants to spend and it here she is she just them. wants to go and have like the little she just wants to have family her time. little piece of happiness away from this horrible fucking schedule yeah that she's in she's always working um, she's always training but it's like, like that's what you gotta do yeah All looking them forward to this it. one little thing and then she couldn't she didn't even get to have it that's mm-hmm. It's and okay. Sojung was not able to attend a funeral and she wasn't even told about the deaths for a while because she had to go through surgery and they didn't yeah. want her to put her under shock. Yeah, that's probably... Because she has to heal on her own, right? Yeah. And so, like, it would only make things worse, probably. So their final performance aired on KBS on September 14th, 2014 because they had their final performance on the 3rd. And they, and didn't, they still aired it? They still aired it on the 15th. fourteen oh as a tribute which is what they do because it's the last recorded thing and some families would rather see that than i guess it's like then maybe yeah maybe yeah. like i think that's too soon like 14 days yeah. you haven't even finished the investigation into the car why are you doing a tribute the tribute should be still dead. the following year nope or like months later after everyone's in the hospital in the future but yeah so oh on God. september 12th 2014 Park was arrested and indicted on the charge of causing a fatal accident under the Act of Special Cases Concerning the Settlement of Traffic Accidents. Oh, my God. (laughs) And was sentenced to a year and two months in jail on January 15, 2015. Wow. Which is not really that long. But he, in March of 20, on March 25th, he filed for a reduced sentence. Yep. And April 8th, he reached a settlement agreement with both Yunbi and Jihye's family for an undisclosed amount. Um, April Probably 15th, his appeal was successful and his sentence was reduced. And he had to serve 160 hours of community service and 40 hours of law-abiding driving classes. Because it was a really bad accident, but I don't see... like I, 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 You hear about that kind of stuff. Him? They weren't... Yeah. It's one of those things. But they know. definitely proved that it wasn't the tire. Like the tire didn't yeah, like pop tire. off. And, yeah. Okay. 
So on September 26th, it's just 2015, Zuni, Ashley, and Sojon resumed their practice schedule. They went right back to it. Walk How many days after? It was April 26th, so it was like six months. Okay. They got to okay, that, April, that, that's fair. Months. That's so fair. It, yeah, they got back to their practice schedule because it's still their dream. You yeah, know, it's still their job. They still have to go. They're still yeah. under contract. At least they gave them the six months to like recover. Re- yeah. and like, but you can't. It'd be worse to force them immediately because yeah. then they won't recover properly. Yeah. yeah. So a memorial concert was held in Tokyo in honor of Rizhe's, um Japanese background on August twenty second, and Ladies See, Code continues to make have done music the as a trio. And sometimes it's a single act. That's when they should have released that last thing was mm-hmm. at the memorial. People really wanted it though. Yeah, the, who the fuck? As cares? soon as the accident like, happened, it was every everyone wanted to know every detail about everything that happened. People were looking for pictures of the dead bodies. Like they were disgusting. No. And I'm just like, I can't but then the Korean like they just they want they want it. They want yeah. it so bad. So they released it and it's just like and you can get it that's the problem and as soon as they release that tribute concert and they make t- tons more money because you get more traction and people are more talking about you and you know it's an awful thing and it happened and two beautiful girls died and it's it was oh. one of those things where they had to move on though those other girls had to move on and do other things because yeah life goes on yeah it like was, and that's the, that's the sad part of it all is that like the world just keeps going, going on. on? Yeah, um, but and not for their parents. No, 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 and probably and not for those girls. No, not for those like, girls. They're doing their best they can to obviously keep going because yeah. you have to. But I can't. Uh, I really even hope imagine. that instead of I really hope that they were able to take some time to heal that properly i'm glad they got counseling because yeah. in korea mental health isn't actually a big issue no one really talks about it so i'm really glad that they actually thought these girls need counseling from all their survival well yeah they're not they gonna be able have. to just like immediately put on their smiley face and like go yeah. back out there and start singing and, and how awful and... is it that if you ever look up your name at your google you're gonna find these awful pictures of you crying at your like friend's yeah. funeral don't ever as... google yourself it's just like <sighs> immediately like i hate I the paparazzi it. it's just hate, so disgusting to me like have a little bit of self like respect yeah like just give them the funeral the funeral like, you, at least the fans don't deserve the funeral the no. funeral is for the family and the people that are affected and as a fan you're not no no i don't want it just those are the pictures that pick, show no. up but i'm just like people how could you do this yeah to like this is so disrespectful. they do like the fucking the showings like they do that for people and like that's what you guys get to have you don't get to you don't get to destroy taint or ruin the funeral yeah for these poor girls that, and, unless like maybe it is in the fucking contract like who knows but no they don't that to me that is so fucking rude that's so rude it just gave me like that feeling of like oh this is what it's like like that's yeah living here you just don't see it i mean like people cry like they do yeah. they crash funerals too and yeah. they do all that stuff but i feel like there's there's a certain line but i can't even say that the paparazzi doesn't suck here because they most dirt, they certainly do. do suck here too but you hear about like how bad it is in britain as well like yeah, it's fucking taking pictures of like the princess or duchess on the balcony when she's naked and like that's so 
fucking rude how is that how do you live with yourself doing that how why why are we releasing to the public people's autopsy reports yeah that's none of that our is business. nobody's fucking business nope. why is that being leaked ever nope just have to know nope doesn't ugh. this is a tmz ugh. world <laughs> this fucking is hate it world. hate it hate it so much uh, uh, so well, thanks for angering me on valentine's day <laughs> it's not even valentine's day today no but if you're listening to this on valentine's day i'm glad i angered you <laughs> made you really mad yeah oh man uh, uh, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Uh, if you have any stories that you would like to hear, uh, you can email us at peoplekeepdying at gmail.com. You can rate us, subscribe yeah. to us. Leave a, a little review. Tell us how we did. How we did it so well yeah. and how much you love us. We yeah. think we're so funny. Yeah. Tell me all about my sexy, how great sick voice. We are. <laughs> yes. That's all we want to hear about how great we are. We only want to hear how great we are. Yeah. Nothing else. Uh, yeah, nothing else. Uh, thanks so much. And we look for. we hope that you guys don't die. Yes. Uh, and you're able to listen to us next week. And yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>